That's better. You're clipping a little bit. Again, even though I'm not. Anybody who's watched my channel knows I'm not super fussy in terms of all this stuff. Yeah. So let's, I read, I read the note with the, uh, with the Calendly thing, but why don't you, uh, why don't we start with you? Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I grew up in, uh, the West Island of Montreal, so that's an Anglophone neighborhood and I was raised by, um, basically a solid mix of, uh, French and Irish Catholic background, uh, parents, but English in the home grown up. Um, and so I grew up sort of in suburbia, um, in somewhat of a French Canadian context. If you kind of sort of interact with the downtown core in Montreal, you get more of that. Um, and so I went to uh, a Jesuit high school, Loyola High School, um, sort of a really old um, school in Montreal. And uh, so I was sort of exposed to uh, faith growing up, um, you know, regular Sunday attendance at Catholic Church and uh, and the Jesuit uh, education that I got in, in high school. So, um, yeah, and uh, basically went to college in Montreal and discovered that um, I've been playing uh, violin since I was young and I uh, was hooked on music. So I decided to pursue it um, and ended up taking up the double bass, which is the big guy back there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's my uh, that's my area of study. So I came to Ottawa to study. Not the, not the most portable instrument they've ever invented. Certainly not, but it is the coolest. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So I came to Ottawa to study. We we've actually got one of the foremost bass players in the world in Canada, a fellow by the name of Joel Corrington. So I was really lucky to kind of have the stars align and come to Ottawa University to study with him. So, yeah, I just finished my master's doing that. Um, I met my wife, who's a nurse. Uh, and we are now living in the Ottawa area. She's doing nursing, and I'm trying to build a music career post-COVID, which is You're something smart else. man. Marry a woman with a very practical, um, stable job prospect, as as you wish to somehow keep body and soul together on music. So, uh -huh. Uh -huh. yeah, <laughs> good for you. Yeah, that's how it worked out. Yeah, and so as I I gave you a heads up uh, that Megan, my wife, is a Barukama. She's She's Dutch. I've never run into many Dutch people growing up, but uh, I'm deeply entrenched now. <laughs> Barukama. Yeah, there's Barukamas yeah. in the, those those ma suffix, a good Frisian name. That's Barukama. right. Well, yeah. So uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, uh, Megan's dad is Jim Barukama, who, if I if I remember, if I got it right, I think was probably a colleague of yours in Calvin. Um, and be his his name is sounds Frisian, but according to his family it's not it oh, just i might be i might be totally wrong about that and i will be corrected in the comment section because there are people who yeah. know and i'm not one of them so the smuzz yeah. that's right it's the smuzz that are all frisians yeah well no but you're right it is a i think it is a frisian sound um but i think it's a sort of a rare name and oh. and his family according to them it's not frisian so so wh wh where did you meet her um, we, uh, I was part of InterVarsity by, um, Bible studies on oh. campus and her roommate was studying musicology. Uh -huh. And so they were having games nights over at their place. And I was a regular attender. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. oh, wonderful. No kids yet. No kids yet. No. All, right. All right. All right. We have a dog. He's on the couch. Well, that's the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the dog looks up like you're going to mention me on YouTube. <laughs> That's right. Well, the dog is the first step to the kids usually. So uh, yeah, it's like a practice round, right? It, it is a practice run. <laughs> so so what, what? Where shall we go with this? What do you you want to do? A little a little bit of your story, or you got questions, or what's what's on your mind? Uh sure. I've got I've got some sort of idea of what I'd like to pick your brain well, for, about. Well, I guess maybe before, how on earth did you find me? I mean, it didn't go yeah. through the Christian for ministers who are on YouTube that I can listen to while I do the dishes. I, I guess I'm on a short <laughs> list of that. Yeah, well, so uh, it's funny. So, like uh, early on in the Jordan Jordan Peterson sort of uh, story, uh, you know, we were hearing about 
his story through like little small sections of the newspapers. Um, my dad was reading a lot of the National Post, which was sort of picking up on his stuff quicker. Uh, and so I'd, I'd heard about him and, you know, thought, OK, there's some guy doing the culture war out there in Toronto. That's interesting. Uh, and then when I saw the Kathy Newman interview, it was, I think, like for so many people, just kind of like, whoa, this guy's cool cat. <laughs> this is something else. And plus, oh, he's doing Bible lectures. OK. And um, yeah, and I so resonate with uh, with what you were feeling, I guess, around that time. It's like, is any anybody talking about this? Like, I, you know, I had a, f- a few friends who were sort of modularly interested, but it didn't seem like I had too many that like were into YouTube as much as I was. So, um, so I was super pleased to find your channel, especially when you had uh, the episode with him. Um, sort of, uh, I had recently become. A Protestant, like uh, sometime in college, we uh, sort of the, the Catholicness of my faith sort of took a back seat, and then uh, you know I had all sorts of questions and ended up in a non-denominational Bible study, and that was really formative. Uh, I was really treated well and discipled well through that, and um, and then of course so through meeting Megan and finding out about her tradition, it was cool to see a. Oh, a CRC pastor talking about this. How fun is this? <laughs> so, yeah. So I checked in on on your talk with Jordan. I thought it was super sweet, and uh, and then I kind of sort sort of stayed subscribed. And every once in a while, think something would come up, and I check you out. Um, but I really kind of dove in deep when um, when Peterson got back from being sick and had that conversation with Peugeot. Yeah. And yeah, I think like so many of us, I was sort of just really uh, blown away by Peugeot, Peugeot's sort of um approach to that moment like i thought it was so gentle and and faithful to the friendship as well as his as his uh relationship with god and i was like man i wonder if paul's talking about this so i flipped over your channel and then you had him on like the next day so it's great yeah uh, and so i've sort of been deep in since then i think uh both with peugeot stuff and your stuff because it interacts so much with that and uh picking up a lot of the stuff that you kind of connect the dots with and all these sorts of things. So good. Yeah. Well, that's helpful. It's helpful to know because people, people wander into this space from all different places and directions. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's been cool. I, um, I think what I appreciate about Peugeot the most is, is, is sort of his perspective of the artist. And, um, I feel like he's got, uh, like a framework for like an artist's mind or approach to faith that I, that I find sort of novel and interesting and, and uh, just a cool, let's say, I don't know, arena to play around in. And so that's been fun to, yeah. to follow around. Sure. All right. So what do you, what, what do you want to go with this? You don't, yeah. you don't strike me. I mean, you're, 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 uh, un. Well, how can I say this? You've got a, you've got a wife, you've got a direction, you've got a career. Some of the people I talk to are very much seekers. They're, you know, they're looking, um, uh, you're, you're a musician. So I'm just kind of figuring out, okay, well, what, what are you looking for? What do you want to talk about? Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, what I'm most curious to pick your brain about is, you know, like sort of what I went through in my sort of rediscovering faith in college was was uh, sort of like i guess what we'd call a de- deconstruction of mm-hmm. the catholicism that i grew up with and then mm-hmm. reconstructing into sort of like a loosely evangelical reformed-ish tradition and one of the interesting things about sort of discovering the conversations around your channel is uh what well especially with Peugeot and things like this it's it seems like i've sort of gotten the chance to revisit um the 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 kind of faith tradition like this traditional um high church tradition that i was raised with and uh sort of re-encountering it in a way that isn't caricatured by sort of being like a protestant who did like who just says you know catholics are not you know catholics are not christians yeah or or, (laughs) yeah at the very worst or or at the very least like uh i don't know heretics or something i don't know yeah Um, yeah. yeah, so it's been f- cool to flesh out that part of my life and 
you know, realize, you know, I guess unstraw man, hmm. the, the, that part of the tradition, I suppose. And then, so, um, yeah, so I've been taking that very seriously. Like I've, I've, I've got Mathieu Peugeot's book. I've been reading that. I've, uh, I've actually got a couple prints from Peugeot's website. I thought they were beautiful. Like that, that part of his stuff is so cool. Um, and I guess where I, where I find myself now, I'm, we're sort of going to like a, a, basically a Baptist church and, um, very much evangelical in style. And, um, and I, one of the things I guess I've been wrestling with is that I do sort of now realize that I, um, am craving, I guess what maybe what we'd call like embodied, more embodied worship. Uh, and you know, in the, in the sense of like the space and, um, how the Sunday morning thing is, is structured. I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, I thought your, um, your talk with Len Vanderzee a little while ago was really sort of triggered a lot of this stuff in me when he was sort of poking at the like assumptions of the evangelical Sunday morning thing and, uh, you know, inviting us to reconsider communion and things like this. Yeah. Um, so you read Len's book? No, I I ought to. It's on my list. Yeah, it's a good book. It I read it before any of the Jordan Peterson stuff came around, and it um, Len. So I I talked to I, I write back and forth with Len on CRC Voices almost every day, and um, of course there's a fierce debate going on in the CRC over stuff. But uh, Len, you know Len Len is an interesting guy in that he's been a really seminal CRC pastor for a long time. When I was in, when I was in seminary, that was back in the late eighties. Um, I did a, I did a, I did a signs and wonders conference at Calvin seminary in the late eighties, which was, that was, that was when John Wimber was doing his thing and they were having discussions at Fuller over, over this. And um, Dave Bielan was my pastor and, I said, you know, who should we, who should we get in to speak about this? And he said, Len Vanderzee. And I remember Len coming in to give a great talk. So Len's been signed kind of all over the place, and his, um, you know, he's really settled now in his retirement years and with Church of the Servant in Grand Rapids, and and all a lot of the themes in that book. You know, he's thought deeply of it. And he's thought deeply of it. He's thought deeply through it from a Protestant perspective, which is which is quite interesting, especially mm-hmm. in a tradition. In the CRC, which at times can be very low church, very as as Jamie Smith says, sort of talking heads on a stick. So um, mm-hmm. I, I found Len, I found Len very refreshing when I read that book a number of years ago. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I ought to, because um, what I found, I've been listening to so much by Peugeot. It's funny, my friends make fun of me. We we've got like a, a Bible study, and I sometimes can't help myself and so they have this thing that they'll do when i go off and they're just gonna go like this like like the mountain or whatever like that (laughs) i'm just i'm not crazy you know (laughs) it's Um, hierarchy i swear yeah yeah boy reality lays itself out yeah yeah all that um yeah so i've i've appreciated too recently you've uh you've had uh clips from uh Gavin Ortland up. I've been checking him out lately, and that's been cool because he really takes the tradition seriously. Yeah, like let's say, can we call it a big P Protestant tradition seriously? Yeah, and sort of um, what it, what I've sort of come to the way I've come to sort of frame it too. It's like when I came into Protestantism, I found myself looking back, sort of strawmanning my Catholic background being sort of embittered about it or something like this and then giving all sorts of breaks to the tradition that I was entering into. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, it's funny because now I sort of, sometimes I'll listen to Peugeot and he's usually pretty, pretty fair. Um, Yeah. But then, you know, every once in a while he'll say something about Protestants. I'm like, well, I mean, you know better than that. Like you grew up with us, you know, you know, like, yeah, surely, um, you know, 
you could represent it better than that. But but I think he's probably doing the same thing that I often do yeah. about my upbringing too. Sure. Um, and so I've I'm sort of in that part where you know even now I'm I find myself almost starting to straw man the Protestant tradition in a sense, and yeah. uh, you yeah. know maybe yeah. overstating how um, how uh, you know non non-liturgical our our history is or our story is or something like this um so yeah um i i get the feeling that van der Zee's book would help with that yeah and ortland stuff is certainly helping with that yeah. i don't i don't know that it's non-liturgical because like symbolism liturgy happens mm. and it's it's not it, it's often not terribly reflectively liturgical liturgical or historically informed liturgical hmm. but those those are sort of on a um th those are sort of on a seesaw in that generally speaking the less historically informed self-conscious liturgical probably the more um idiosyncratic um even 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 shamanistic liturgical you might become unless you're you know like in the christian from church like it could be sometimes just a really tightly bound um smaller circle i mean this is this is what we do although the i mean len has done a lot that len has done as much work on crc liturgy at a certain level in a certain community within the crc as anyone else in the denomination has and so he is he is he is very well informed and very self-conscious about that. And Church of the Servant in Grand Rapids has been a church that has been that's sort of been the focus of that. Um yet, you know, even the and, and Len will be Len, I think Len would probably agree with me. The 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 framework of Christian Reform liturgy was actually very Spartan. But but also very solid. You you very much had this dialogic um, call and response liturgy, even if people didn't recognize it. And of course, in the eighties, the Christian Reformed Church, with its I think it was already starting to feel its decline, began to become more um, less confident about its liturgical tradition and sort of adopted a broader evangelical which was tended to be three fast, three slow, one to get ready and one to go, you know, and everything just sort of focuses on music. Uh, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's liturgy is inevitable and, and liturgy will reflect a lot of what's happening in the church, almost in sort of an expressive way, especially if it's not sort of self-conscious and historically governed. So, mm -hmm. You mean expressive, um, expressive expression locally? Yeah, yeah. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll be, it'll, it'll reflect a lot of the probably pre-conscious commitments and habits and patterns of the local group and the tradition that they are at least somewhat connected with. You know, when someone, when I was, so I was watching, um, I was watching the news, the local news last night with my wife. And there was a shooting in Half Moon Bay um, in California, and they had just guy on the street, this local news, typical guy on the street, Half Moon Bay residents. And he gets up and he says, all of the things that you expect in that frame to have said. I mean, it's and I told my wife, I said, that's a script. That's a liturgy. Mm. He, he never sat down and self-consciously learned it. But that got mapped onto him through how many hmm. of these mass shootings and what people say on TV. I mean, and I mean, you could almost if if you if you would tell me, okay, there's been a shooting, the local news network is going to stick a camera in front of some rando's face. What's he going to say? Okay, Half Moon Bay, you know, a little bit about that community. I mean, you can almost guess with a fair amount of accuracy what someone's going to say when you stick a camera in front of them. Now. Church liturgy isn't that different from that. Mm. <laughs> Someone sits down and it's like, okay, we're in church. Well, and then you have all of this mapping that's gone on into them. And then you put them in charge and that's what's going to come out. And now in your story, 
you've got all of this, um, you know, Quebecois Catholicism, some deconstruction, musician. I mean, there's formation has been happening all along. And so um, I, you're late 20s, early 30s, just guessing from your appearance. Yeah, 29. Yeah. Okay. So you're at a exactly the the right age. You look at people in their twenties. Sorry, uh, no disrespect to all the twenty somethings out there, but generally speaking, you're still sort of sleepwalking through your twenties. Um, the differentiation that starts when you differentiate from your parents in those teenage years. By the time you get to the end of the twenties, you start differentiating from deeper things in your past, mm. and so it makes perfect sense that, you know, Peugeot would be someone that, that, you know, you begin to resonate with and now, okay, well, yeah, I, I, I sort of straw manned those churches I grew up in and, well, now I'm beginning to see that, well, the church, the, the, the church that I'm in now also has a history and pros and cons and pluses and minuses. And so, but now your life is quite a bit, um, more complex because, well, you're married and you're married to a woman with her own theological tradition. And if you want to worship together, well, there's going to mm -hmm. be negotiation and you're already embedded in this church. So you have relationships. And I mean, this is sort of the normal pattern and process. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you're, and, and the fact that you're a musician and an artist, you're doing the work because now you're informed in this whole other area and you've got some sense of what music is and why it's important and how it functions and how it functions in you. And so, you mm -hmm. know, what you're, what you're sort of working through right now is exactly what you should be working through and what I would expect you to be working through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in another probably 20, 30 years, if not sooner, you'll be in a position to make a contribution to the world from yeah. all of this stuff that you're doing now. So it's uh yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, well, I man, I'm encouraged by that. Yeah, I I've really appreciated uh, one of the things you you say often, I guess, or something to this nature, where um, you know people are bugging you about whether you'd convert to Orthodox or something like this. And I think uh, one time you answered, "Well, these are my people. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't leave my people." Like, and I thought that that's really stuck with me. Because as much as there's sort of can be seasons, I guess, of turmoil in, in my own understanding of things, um, the the commitment to the to the body, the local body is really a helpful thing to hold at the top of the hierarchy, let's say. Um, and, you know, so long as this church lets me kind of refuse to be rebaptized or whatever, you know, <laughs> um, then there's space for me again. You are already baptized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the bones I have to pick with the Orthodox, the Orthodox out there rebaptizing people. It's like, come on people. <laughs> if we see our seed back in the height of our anti-Catholic days could accept Roman Catholic baptism. Yeah. yeah. Orthodox people, you're a little, a little too, <laughs> getting a little too full of yourself with some of this. Um, I am. I'm thankful for my church for that. Cause, uh, yeah, we're we're small enough and and I guess humble enough to to sort of let the let things breathe in those areas and you know the convictions are held and the statement of faith is on the website um, and I sign a membership form when when we, that comes around but uh, yeah I'm I'm appreciative for that uh, for sure yeah there uh, one of the interesting things that's come up lately is that we're sort of looking to. Uh, pull up a couple folks into the elder uh, team at church and I've sort of come up as a candidate. And so <laughs> that's sort of stirred up all sorts of this yeah. stuff. Now, now you're not just going to be playing in their waters. Now you're going to be responsible for the temperature of the pool. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting on, on my email back. I was like, you know that I, I feel this way, right? Like, do, do you really want me there? <laughs> Feeling that way, and um, yeah, I guess time will tell, and we'll we'll kind of talk through that stuff um, as it comes. But it's been, uh, yeah, it's been cool. I've I have put my piece in, and and I've sort of come to a 
really strong opinion about uh and I'd, I'd really like us to do communion every week and and have it be what the sort of the service revolves around it and like i said your talk with vanders you kind of sparked that uh conversation in my mind um i'm curious because what you just sort of shared i'm learning slowly about the crc both listening to you and then my my in-laws going to their churches um that sort of shift that you described i think i understood you right um where uh i guess it was sort of a shift towards more you said evangelical sunday morning kind of practice um is that would that have lined up when communion became less frequent as well no no okay communion in the christian reformed church has been getting more and more frequent is that right if you, if you go back to the early 20th century communion was once a quarter mm-hmm. and i i've sort of pieced some of this together myself why was communion so infrequent in the christian reformed church and if you asked people that they they basically give you answers like absence makes the heart grow fonder, but that was not a very good. That wasn't why. I think the reason had to do with um, this gets really murky. Uh, so, in the Protestant Reformation, um, the sacrament of communion gets jettisoned by Luther into the priesthood of all believers, and part of the priesthood of all believers is the. Um, sort of the application of the admonition, confess your sins one to another. And so in medieval Catholicism, and and still today um, in Catholicism, uh, you know this better than I do, uh, confession is tied to partaking of the Mass. I mean, if you're really doing it right, you do confession before you take the Mass. The, the form in medieval Europe had tended to be most people, just ordinary folks, would take Mass once a year. And and part of that reason was you had to get your confession in before you took Mass. The Christian Reformed Church has had a strong tradition of house visitation. And now I grew up on the fringe of the CRC because my father's church was, you know, a it was a chapel turned into a church. And so already in the, you know, late 20th century stuff was sort of moving around in the CRC once it got beyond sort of the um the Dutch practices. But how Heisbazook or house visitation was was something that people sort of dreaded. And I remember when I became an elder at Madison Square in Grand Rapids, you know, they they you know they gave us some instruction on doing house visitation. And it was it was much more evangelical than the traditional CRC way. Because the traditional CRC way was the elders come to the house and they basically grill you about your failings in your Christian life. It's like, well, what's 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 this about? And and then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that house visitation became a substitute for the confessional. And the elders came basically to hear the confession of sin by CRC members before communion. And what that meant was. You had to get, you had, these elders had to get around to all the houses, generally speaking, in a cycle that was related to the communion cycle. So that's why communion was so infrequent. Hmm. As that practice of home visitation broke down, communion got more and more frequent to the point where churches like Church of the Servant, Granite Springs, which is one of our sister churches here in the Sacramento area, Christ Church Davis, um, I think... All, all of our church plants in the Sacramento area have weekly communion now, which was very interesting. Now, these churches generally also, I mean, especially Christ Church Davis, my friend Eric Dirksen, he also had, um, he also strengthened the confession of sin portion of the liturgy, which was always a part of the Christian Reformed liturgy. And about three years ago, I sort of did the same thing here at Living Stones. Um and I, I think this is all part of the Christian Reformed tradition trying to figure out how to, you know, in a sense, it's very deep um, subconscious, get, get right in terms of liturgy and Eucharist and, you know, try and set some of these things right. And it's taken centuries but that's those are, I think, are the issues that they're playing with. 
So now in a Baptist tradition, I mean, you've even got more things to think about because you've got the whole transubstantiation, consubstantiation, real presence. Um, you know, what exactly is this Eucharist? And then in a lot of Zwi more Zwinglian traditions, you had, well, communion is a symbol and symbol was a very fairly light word there. It was maybe an example and it wasn't as tight as sort of Calvin's real presence. You'll get that more through the Anglican, um, you know, the Anglican tradition. So this is this again where where Van der Zee's book I think would be helpful hmm. because he gets into a lot of these things and um, and and so with a church with Baptist part of the issue is there's so many kinds of Baptists mm -hmm. and you know there are some Baptists that are there's like this whole new up you know upsurge in Reformed Baptists in the United States and you know we you know sort of Christian Reformed folks look at them and say, yeah, you know, good on you. But uh, what about what about baptism for for your children? You know, that's one of the fights <laughs> yeah. we have with them. Yeah. So yeah. so in Protestantism, a lot of what is happening is is in many ways parallel to stuff that's happening in the Catholic Church. But they're sort of much more on the frontier working themselves out and. You know, if you look at where Protestantism really took hold in Europe, and then, of course, when it came to America, it really exploded, Protestantism is in some ways sort of frontier Catholicism. Mm -hmm. in, and and as if you look at the, the frontier stories, um, Americans left their churches behind that were in the East that were really tied to Europe. And as they went West, you know, the institutions couldn't keep up. And so mm. people start making things up. And so generation after generation, some of sort of this gravity within the Christian ecosystem is going to be felt. So I'm not surprised that so many of these reformational issues are still very much on the plate, except now we're not sort of, we're, we're enough generations beyond killing each other over it that we're hopefully having a better conversation about it and can look at Catholicism and say, oh, okay, um, yeah, confession, Eucharist, there's a really helpful pattern there. And mm -hmm. to get the, let's say, to get the cycles going more quickly in a life, um, the Eucharist is something we should be partaking of very regular. And of course, in many Catholic churches, you can have daily mass for the hardcore that go there. But all of these elements are, are we're working on them, but we're working on them live in all of the churches. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our, uh, our denomination is sort of, well, we're, we're basically Southern Baptist, but with enough enough of a border separation that the turmoil that they're sort of in in the middle of hasn't really gotten to us, but that's uh, that's our background. Well, and it's helpful to know that Southern Baptists are actually pre-American Civil War Northern Baptists. The North won the war, which meant that the Church in the South was reseeded by. Mm -hmm middle 19th century northern baptist the northern church continued to change later you had you know more tensions between northern and southern and mm. then but the southern baptist has been very um very missiological and so they planted churches all over the world one of the most effective mm -hmm. church planting um denominations that we've had, if you can call the southern baptist a denomination you know yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah in a it's it's uh certainly a functional uh title yes yes yeah. but yeah. now again so in canada i mean montreal i mean this this conversation i did with one woman about the 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 the, the quebec catholic story fascinates me i have yes uh that was i went to go get her name because i was like man that was so cool for me uh yes gabrielle was her name i think yes yes it was so cool because especially because i if I remember right, she was coming into Catholic faith from like a post-quiet revolution background. Right. And she was a French separatist, which, you know, me growing up in Montreal, where there's the, the even the French separatists aren't around much. And I was Anglo. 
It's like they were the bad guys. You know what yep. I mean? Like that yep. in politically speaking. So man, that was cool uh to listen to that and hear somebody from the other side in such an intimate context. That was really neat. No, and 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 to me that I gotta read that book. Um I, I buy too many books that I don't read. And so I'm, I, I usually just buy get the samples now. And if I, if I finish the sample and really want to go further, then I'll pay the money. Um, but there's so many interesting dynamics in there because of course <laughs> the French lost the, the French lost the war. Which made, you know, and basically in the settlement between England and France, uh, France France chose a small Caribbean island over Quebec, <laughs> launching hmm. the French Canadians into, you know, decades and decades and decades of exile. And so it, it's it's no wonder that the community clenched down so hard on their Catholic identity. Hmm. And it's also no wonder that a community that clenches that hard on something will, in some ways, misshape it. And in that misshaping and corruption, then you have other deformations, which then lead to a... That's when you tend to get these big, wild swings. They're mm. more Catholic than everyone else, and now they're more secular than anyone else. And they just mm. keep swinging wildly. That isn't unusual for a community that is sort of a, you know, to sound terribly wokeish, sort of an oppressed minority community, because yeah. that's sort of how the Catholics have been in Canada. Yeah, yeah, we're um we're actually just outside of Ottawa in a town called Rockland, um, and it's interesting because I've I've gotten so many of the flavors of the French Canadian experience because here this is in Ontario, but it's a French town, and then of course right across the river is the Quebecois, and um, I worked just for a couple months in a lumberyard around the corner from our house here, and. It was fun to like if we got into fights with people on job sites, like the guys who like, Elite in Quebecois en plus. It was like he was kept he was even a Quebecer. He was such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all these dynamics there too. Yep. Yep. And, if yeah, you had darker and, skin color, it would go a little easier on you. But um, you know, it, it, I mean, but that's the reality. I I was well, I was with uh I mean, again, because in a sense, Americanization has also sort of racialized oppressive, oppressed dynamics in in sort of the the global American imaginary. That to imagine you have all of these all of these white European immigrants to Canada as sort of an oppressed class, but then mm -hmm. you know those oppression things go back and forth. So okay, mm -hmm. you had Trudeau's father, and you know. I, my grandmother, um, so my grandfather took a church to Owen Sound, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And the stories that I heard from my aunt about how much she hated going there because of the treatment she received. Now, she was French-Canadian, of course. She was just a Dutch immigrant, um, you know. But the she was, she was just so... It, because she was an American and because she wasn't sort of Scotch Irish that it sounded like a bunch of those people were, I mean, they just, they just treated her like dirt and mm. she carried that resentment. She and my grandmother carried that resentment with them their whole life. When my sister started dating a Canadian, eventually married one, um, you know, my grandmother was like, you know, to not marry a Canadian mm. because they had such bitter experience in in Owen Sound. Now, my grandfather was impervious to uh, resentment, so it didn't bother him. <laughs> but hmm. but wow. no, and and these these histories of rivalry and and suffering are real, mm -hmm. and and yeah. they get built into all kinds of things at a low level. Yeah, like even in in Ottawa proper, and even around here, all the poor neighborhoods have French street names. Like it's it's uncanny and. I've I actually have not had a conversation with some sort of French folk musicians who were sort of digging into this history and sort of trying to bring light to it. And yeah, it was eye opening how that it's formed the geography in this town big time. Yeah. And and so that's another layer in this whole story. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you're you're going to a church with an American heritage. Um, I mean, you didn't sort of fully deconstruct out into, you know, atheist secular land. You, yeah. And even Jonathan Peugeot's story, of course, his parents became evangelical. Yeah. Jonathan, in some ways, swings back. You know, keeps going past Catholicism back to orthodoxy. Yeah. Um, and you can see some of these things in Rod Dreer's story too, because yeah. he's French. Because the French in Montreal. Oh, there's another little group of war losers in the French and Indian War, at least in, mm-hmm. that's called in the American side. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing how um, how real history is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious um, with to go back a, a couple steps, where do you see um or, or maybe even from your own perspective, where do you think like this sort of movement in the CRC towards uh, things like more communion and, and maybe a more, uh, I don't know, historical liturgical practice, if we could call it that or something like this, where do you see this going and or where would you like to see it go? I I would, um, I, w- I would love it. We don't have weekly communion at Living Stones. We have monthly communion. Um, yeah, we do. That's the same at our place. I would, I, we, I'd be totally happy with weekly communion here. Um, I'm not going to push it because mm-hmm. most of our, most of my people are elderly, and um, you know they're in their, they're in their last years, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull them through this fight. That's that's just that's just uncharitable. Mm-hmm. The other churches in, like I said, in the Sacramento area, which are all church plants. They're all doing weekly communion, and um, I think that's a good thing. In the CRC, the fight over the, the culture war fights that we're having over, you know, same-sex marriage or women in office, those those are going to tend to to harden both sides. That's usually what conflict does. Um, but. The, the irony is that conflict not only hardens, but it also deforms. And so the the confessionalists, the conservative Dutch confessionalists today aren't really a lot like the conservative Dutch confessionalists in my great-grandfather's generation at the beginning of the 20th century. Um, you know, we have way more money. Uh, mm-hmm. We take way more liberties. Um it's you don't you don't really go back in time as you're trying to recapture theological and liturgical eras. So um, I don't know. I, I think I think in some ways the CRC is returning to more of what it was before the Second World War, and that will continue. Is that we'll is that connected to the Netherlands as well? Like, do you think it's consistent with? with what it was there or, or immigrant communities sort of freeze the culture that they leave. The Netherlands has continued to evolve. And even those who emigrated after the second world war, look back to the Netherlands and say, it's, it's not, it's not like it was, it's not like it was. And um, so yeah, immigrant communities do that. So I don't know what what will become of the CRC. I think there'll be more fragmentation. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for the CRC to sort of coalesce a mass like it did right after the Second World War, and sort of sort of harvest both the the um, the separatist energies into something that was dramatically engaging. Hmm. Um, we're going to see we're going to see CRCs in rural areas probably continue to thrive, including in the U.S. and Canada. And we're going to see CRCs in urban areas either have to sort of try to keep pace with the culture or get deeply antithetical. But the antithesis in the city will be antith- will be different from the antithesis in the ag areas. And so mm-hmm. that's why it's just so tremendously complex, especially when mm-hmm. just naturally we sort of think in dualities because of mm-hmm. the way consciousness is framed. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know what's going to happen to the CRC. We'll see, we'll see. Mm-hmm. The the people will endure, and many of the churches will endure, but the larger structures just can't really hold together. Yeah, 
but that makes the local churches weaker because it means they now have to sort of like imbibe in larger trends and patterns. Huh. Does it, um does sort of listening to um, voices like Peugeot where where you know he he's always talking about embodying worship and things like this does does your mind go anywhere else besides just communion? Yeah, um, most cultures in the world have dance. Dance was sort of forbidden in the CRC in the 1920s and that continues to echo. Hmm. And if um I, I think I think long-term liturgical communities are going to have to have more embodiment. I think that's part of the reason that Catholicism and Orthodoxy is is at least in some ways gaining strength because they I mean Catholic especially Orthodoxy, if you don't change enough certain patterns will come back around. If you're always sort of chasing the culture 10 or 15 years behind, it's almost the worst thing you can do. Hmm. But, you know, some of the, some of the, some of the truth beneath orthodoxy and, you know, why is everybody getting so excited about now the, the, the Latin mass? Um, You know, there's, there's a lot going on there and things that, groups sort of rigidly clung to it. And you see this in the CRC as well. Um, you know, small groups that have continued their Sabbatarianism, their tithing, their even their their doctrinalist confessionalisms very rigidly. There's a mm. strength to that, especially in an age when people value religion that's weird. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's because like like the unmoving in the raging exactly. sea that is going on, right? Yeah. You have credibility in this culture if people can see, oh, your religious ideas cost you something. Mm. And then it's really attractive if they both cost you something and you're not the wrong kind of asshole. <laughs> because there are people that cost them something and they're the wrong kind of asshole. And they just sort of, but but even there, there are people who will look at that and say, yeah, that's, that's the one because they're serious about it. It they're must serious, be true. Yeah. 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 And, and at least the, the appearance of, of, uh, old, like far reaching, like the Latin thing, it just anchors us boom, right to the, like the entire history of the West. That's, it's really stabilizing. Yeah. Yeah. There was a comedian on Joe Rogan who, you know, I caught this little soundbite where he was basically saying, you know, all the really all the really cool kids in school are becoming like Catholic because <laughs> everyone else is just sort of, you know, they're coloring their hair, they're transitioning here, they're, you know, it's just, it's just all chaos. And people are looking for something old and deep that will not change because so much of their life is chaos. It's It's part of the reason why after the, you know, sort of the, the flourishing of the counterculture movement in the late sixties. So many children of hippies became really conservative people. Hmm. It's like, yeah, you know what? I like there being food in the fridge and the electric bill paid. And, um, you know, it's nice when you wake up in the morning and mom isn't passed out or drunk or a different dude stumbles out of mom's bedroom. Yeah. Hmm. I really like that. Hmm. I mean, chaos and order. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Hey, Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Hmm. So, you know, it sounds like you'll be, you know, become an elder in your church. You'll be helping your church navigate these waters. But just like you said earlier, there's a reality to your local church that Mm -hmm. is that you really do have to prioritize because that is real in a way that your dog is real. You can think about dogs and breeds and you know, if you're dog shopping, um, you know, oh, what's the best breed? Yada, yada, yada. But you know what? That, that, you know, that, that little critter sleeping on the sofa behind you, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a real dog and real relationship to you and your wife. And if that dog gets sick, you care about it. And Mm -hmm. when the dog has an accident on the floor, it annoys you. And, 
that there's a reality to that and your local church is like that in some ways and the um you know that the bonds that you build with the other people there and then when you become an elder now suddenly you're not just sort of talking through stuff with your buddies at the bible study now you're now you're charting the course for your local church and mm-hmm. um you know actually the formation that you received from your catholic upbringing the deconstruction you did the way that you thought through things all of this will be resources for mm-hmm not only you, but your community. And if y'all can sort of stick with each other and keep working on things, you know, good things, good things can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this has been fun, Paul. I've, uh, I really appreciated your channel. I think I share with you this um, opening openness trait. And so sort of being willing to uh, reach out there and hear this stuff from you know here and there it's been it's been really cool well that's i'm i appreciate i appreciate thank you for your time and attention as john verbeke always says yeah yeah <laughs> and i'm fun. glad i'm glad you know i hope i hope i have been at least some way helpful and because you know what you and your wife are building is is a very is a very real thing you're building a life together you're you know you may someday build a family together and that family will be connected to you know your french canadian catholic and her you know dutch reformed immigrant who were catholic way back then and mm. i mean you're continuing you're continuing the big story in at a very high level of resolution and it's 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 a if you can if you can see all that you're participating in that's a really cool thing Hmm. yeah yeah for sure Hmm. well pat um i recorded this i can send it to you and you can decide if you you're okay with me sharing it if you're okay with me sharing it you can tell me right now it's up to you absolutely yeah this would be cool to uh center on them folks <laughs> i think i think peugeot will probably watch it he'll he watches some stuff on right? my channel i think the i think the french canadian thing will probably grab his interest he he uh he, he he listens and watches when he's carving and some of that stuff. although he i just talked to him yesterday and he's been you know hierarchies bind and blind so the poor guy's been traveling and i think he i think probably part of him just wants to get home get back mm. in his workshop um yeah. you know you if you climb the musical ladder, you'll probably get there too. It's like, why remember, remember back in the day when I had time to practice and just work on stuff and mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, think so. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. Cool. Well, it was it was a it was a joy talking to you, Pat. Yeah, likewise, Paul. And God Hopefully, God bless yeah. you, your wife, your church, your musical career. Um I yeah, I, I pray that God um really blesses you. Thank you. Thank you. And likewise to your church. It's it's cool to hear about how things are going down in California. Yeah. It's uh, encouraging to hear from you guys and what's what's going on down there. All right. I thought your uh your story about your homeless friend, I think it was yesterday or this week was yeah. was so great, so lovely. Well well thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well we we all we all try to serve our God. In relationship mm-hmm. to all these different kinds of folks. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Yeah. Bye-bye.